Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are back. Ben, well, long time. Yeah, we appreciate you guys' patience. Um, it's just a lot. We keep telling you this, but, <laughs> but, and it doesn't seem to get better. It gets worse. Um, just a lot of stuff going on. But we just finished our celebration service. We had about 500 people there, a bunch of baptisms. Uh, yep. That was really good. A bunch of new members. Um, we launched a new school. We have a classical Christian classical school that's been launched, and we're into our third week of that, and that was a major undertaking. Um, we had a fire at your church. Yeah, that was a while ago, though. I know, but it doesn't... But I'm still dealing with it. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like... We moved finally. Yeah, you finally moved your second time because you yeah. had an interim living. So moved twice in two months. That was fun. Yeah. It's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, we moved just prior to them, and yet we still own our first house. And now you have to sell your house. Yeah, so I still got to get that house ready for sale. And um, and we have a big old honking backyard that's over 100 yards deep, and we had to pay a massive amount of money just to have it fenced in for a dog. <laughs> so anyhow, we just been getting stretched. I got a wedding this weekend. Oh, it's this weekend? Yeah. I've got one coming up now because I told the guy you need to <laughs> propose to her and help him yeah. work that out. So he did. I'm proud of him. But now I got to figure out, talk to him, figure out when we're going to do that. But that's going to be coming up pretty quick too. Yep. Just all kinds of stuff. I'm starting my Hebrews Bible study with the church and you've been doing your theological book study. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting that one up later this week as well for my campus. So, And we're setting up a 501c3. Yeah, that's fun, uh, huh? Yeah, well, and we finally submitted— And by the way, we don't want a single email from any of you telling us that we're giving to Caesar or something like that, or we're capitulating in our faith because we are having a 501c3. If you don't believe in that, that's fine. Just don't email us. Huh. Sorry, I always get somebody— who needs to talk Probably to me? You are a target. <laughs> so, but we finally submitted tax exemption, exemption stuff. So, so it's actually submitted. So we're like a real thing now. That's awesome. Out in the ether. Yeah, because before it was under the umbrella of just the SBC, right? Yeah. So, anyhow, we've been busy uh, just preaching, mm-hmm. teaching, moving, life, counseling, counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Parenting. And parenting. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to begin to answer some more of the questions today. And um, yeah, we're looking at the questions. None of them are hard. I think the hardest ones, and we need to take some time to really think through, are the ones where you have children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's hard when you're dealing with, uh, especially somebody with severe autism or uh, Down syndrome or something like that. But we, we even had a really thoughtful one uh, about just what about when you adopt a child and that child's got right. a rough background, you know, they they carry baggage. And so we, those, those are more complex that um, maybe a bit more nuanced than the ones that we're going to answer today. But uh, hopefully these will be of help to you 
and it will kind of allow us to get our brains going. Because if you didn't know, we do multiple podcast uh, recordings. Um, we don't just sit here and do one and then go home. So we, we've got a few here that we're going to do. So we're hoping that this will also help our brains kind of disengage from our pastoral things that are still needing to be dealt with and think podcast, and hopefully it will be of help. So with that, the first question, you want to read it or you want me to? Or uh, summarize I'll it. Some it. of these will so just it, summarize. Yep, it just says, at what point should a discerning parent stop physically disciplining their child given that the child will always sin? Yeah, I mean, that's the question always is, okay, they're, they're sinner, they're going to always sin. And that, of course, um, my I would give, I'll give the first point. Um, I would say that you begin to uh, stop the need for physical discipline when they are at the point that they are actually hearing your voice, and they're learning to, and they've learned to respond properly. Um, right? We talked about that. That. The whole purpose behind the physical discipline is not the discipline. Um, you know, that's that's unpleasant for everyone involved. It's that you're trying to teach at an early age that ability that they hear you. Because if you can't get them to learn to stop and say, oh, mom or dad is talking right now, then you'll never be able to instruct. And the goal is what do we need to do to instruct them in the way of Christ and in and, and the way of faithfulness and obedience, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, so if if they're still not listening to you, and let's say we, we argue, or at least I've argued that generally speaking, and this is generally, most physical disciplines, if you're very faithful from the beginning, um, should be done by about five. Yeah, and, and it will, it's not like you're, you're doing it the same amount, and then just one day comes, and then you don't do any. Yeah, it's, you, it, it fades, right? right. So, so you're doing it less and less and less. So starting about age... But why are you two, doing it less? Well, because they're hearing your voice yeah, more. they're, they're so, obeying yeah. you. <laughs> so starting about age two, two and a half, they should already be quite well hearing your voice. So you're, you're already beginning to pull back on some of that stuff. And, but I, I will also say, I think there's seasons, and like any parent knows this, um, in which it seems like they're listening well and they're hearing your voice well. And then all of a sudden it's like, what happened? Like yeah, all of a sudden... The devil child comes yeah. out. Yeah. And and then and then you can question: Am I being unfaithful? And well, may, maybe, but it's also understand as they get older that that will starts to come up more. And so now you need to. It's a new season of shepherding, and so now you have to maybe amp up your disciplines a bit again. But it it won't be long. It, it'll be you know much shorter times every time this happens. Yeah, and and I hope I can say this without sounding like I'm some whack job. <laughs> so. Realize that's right now. <laughs> like, oh, great, we're going to off script. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> um, but you know, like with my son, he'd be eleven. Well, he's not getting the disciplines like he was. But you know, all of a sudden, he just gets himself going where he's what uh, was like. He just got out of control. Like his emotions got going. I would pop him one on the top of his head with my open hand. I, I, and I'm not saying smack him and knock him on his rear. I'm just saying a gentle pop and just kind of like what you'd see a football coach do <laughs> to his, one of his players. And it, But it would just like, hey, bud, stop. And it was enough to kind of stop him and get out of that, 
you know, amped up state where he had gotten himself. And it's like, calm down. You're okay, bud. And go seek your mom's forgiveness and then go do your chores. You know, and that was all that was needed. It, physical discipline, I guess. I mean, it didn't hurt him at all. Um, but, but it was enough just to, to get that, get him back into, um, control where he, it, it almost like a shock. Yeah. Um, now we we also would say that you want to transition then at some point to and again this is when you're seeing that their consistent state of being is that they're they're responding to you. Um at some point then you'll have to discipline still perhaps or probably for what I'm going to call high-handed rebellion where you write that that uh, I'm looking – if you guys had a video of us right now, I've, I've got to look and he's got to look. We're both probably thinking of actual <laughs> events. Like when they moved their little bear over to the <laughs> – I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. <laughs> to the uh, – what is it? The, the fuse box. Yeah. And decided Who? to just start flicking switches. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to record podcasts. My wife just FaceTimes me because uh, – <laughs> <laughs> and this is great. I just like, huh. Well, she, cause she's teaching, she's teaching, uh, Naomi right now cause school just started. Um, so Levi's doing who knows what, um, well, we now know what <laughs> yeah. he's doing. And so we just moved to this new house. So there's like not barriers yet really set or established. So he's just wandering all over. This is my kingdom. <laughs> yeah. So she FaceTimes me and down in the basement, he's got these like stuffed animals that he stacked up that he stand, that he stood on top of to reach up to the fuse box and he just starts flipping all the switches <laughs> so, so, so she's facetime me with this ever moving fuzzy picture that i can't see anything i'm like i'll just have to deal with it later and then she texts me by the way he's now convinced me that he's already disciplined himself so no need for me to do it and we're all good here <laughs> he's how old three right just he's turned just three. Turned three. Yeah. <laughs> the force is strong in that one <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, high-handed rebellion, <laughs> where your child is literally doing it, not because they're just a kid and they're somewhat dense. You know, it's because they yeah, know they, it's wrong, yeah. and and they've counted the cost, and they've decided I'm going for this. Um, you know, those things are scary because if you don't begin to deal with that willfulness where it's, I, I am literally going to go and do what I know is wrong, um, then you're training them that those types of things are okay. Um, if you even look in the Old Testament, the high-handed rebellion in, in the Old Testament, I mean, that got you cut off from the people. Um, so you want to take that very, very seriously uh, in their early years. So that's where you'll say, oh, Apparently, a rebuke or a correction or even a facial expression is not enough to bring that child back. They're, they're going to do it anyhow, um, especially things of gross unkindness to a brother or sister where, you know, they they just give them a cheap shot because yeah. they're annoyed with them. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing, it's like, okay, apparently you need a discipline then and and you're going to do that. What, what, what also might be a situation where you would still discipline yeah and then there'll, there'll always be those unique kinds of situations you know so for example if they want to act like a small child then it's well we're going to treat you like one yeah but but yeah and, like if they're 10 right 
and they want to just act childish and they, they know the rules. And the, again, it's, they're overtly just pushing things and deciding they want to cross barriers. It's like, all right, then we'll treat you like you're four. Yep. Over the knee that those, those can be very actually uh, shocking to the child because by, you know, by 10, 11, 12, they probably haven't had that in a long time. And spankings hurt a lot more then. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but it really does shock them. So there's never a time that you maybe won't uh, need to. But if you're, if you're really being faithful, we can't, we can't underplay uh, that um, or overstate it enough. Consistency is a key, absolutely. And I and I have found personally in my life as pastor and parent, um, the constant, consistent issue when I have people come in for parenting questions is that uh, they have not just been consistent, or dad does it one way and mom does it the other way, and. You, you can't do it. Mom and dad need to buy into it. You need to do it 10 out of 10 times because you'll be shocked, but those kids will say one out of 10 times is worth it. Yeah. Um, so that leads us then to our next question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then how how do you curb consistent disobedience and they have marked your ages two to three? What would you say? <laughs> well... <laughs> We would hope that you're listening to the podcast. Um, so if you're not, then go back and listen to the podcast on parenting, especially the early ones, because we deal with all of that. But it's going to be that. You're, a, a two- to three-year-old who is con consistently disobedient is a person that you are training to be. I mean, I'm going to put that right on mom. I don't know if it's a mom or dad here, but um, you're the one doing that. A child that is consistently disciplined, uh, being disobedient is a child that is clearly not being disciplined in a way that informs him that that is not the right way to go. And so you need to, you need to totally rethink what you're doing. Um, I, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you're not being consistent, um, or you're being too gentle. Um, and again, we're not advocates of, or, or you're not clear. Right. So, so you might in your mind think that you are being consistent, but in the child's mind, they don't understand. There's not clarity on. Give me, give me an right example. Or, I think I know what you mean. Wrong. Um, well, well, the big one would be an, an, an inconsistency between the pa parents' expectations. So, like the father is one thing, the mom says another thing, and the kid's just confused. Okay, I got so you. So, with mom, I can yeah. do this. With dad, I can do this. Mom, I can't do this. Dad, I can't. Do, and there's no consistency between them two. So the or, kid or doesn't really know what's wrong or right. Based upon your weariness or your mood. Yeah. Too, right? So dad comes home from a great day at work. Everything's cool. Dad comes home from a bad day at work. And also what was cool yesterday isn't cool. Yeah. Same thing though, right? Yeah. Inconsistent. Okay. Yeah. So, it, I mean, a two to three-year-old is so easy to deal with. Um When I talk to young parents who start to come to our church and they're, they've got a kid that's wiggling all over the place. It's like, it's not hard. It will probably be a two to three weeks of misery in your home because you can do, it'll seem like all you're doing is discipline. But if you guys buy into it, just consistent, faithful administration of the discipline, both by mom and dad on, and, and, and lay out again, we're not going to redo our podcast for the, uh, the person, um, you know, lay out the principles. Did they obey? And did they show honor or respect? If neither one of those can be said 
firmly with a yes, then they need to be disciplined and instructed in that discipline. Um, so curb, uh, consistent dis- disobedience just means you're not disciplining faithfully. And if, if the guy, whoever asks that, wants to contact us via email, we'd be glad to maybe interact on a more private level. Um, or, uh, heck, I've even FaceTimed a few people, you know, if, if, if they think that one of us might be able to do that. Just let us know. Um, just remember, we're busy, so, um, but, but we'd be happy to do that. All right, how about this one? So with COVID, uh, more and more people are working from home. And I, I think a lot of the companies are discovering they, you know, it works just as good. But it's creating some tensions at times in marriages because dad's home and mom's there. And the kids, she, she's struggling maybe to get deal with the kids in, on one day or another. And dad's just in the other room. And why isn't he coming out to help with the discipline? And you know, just that tension between husband and wife, because he's like, hey, I, I still have a job. Right. Uh, I, I'm at work. Whether it's in the other room or not, I'm still at work. And you you can't just be coming in expecting me to drop what I'm doing because Joey here is deciding to throw fit, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she's completely aware that her husband is just in the other room and, and she's feeling a bit overwhelmed. Um, so, you know, h- how do you... How, how do you address that kind of a, a unique tension? Because it's happening right and left in our, at least in my church, we have yeah. at least half the people are working from home right now. Yeah. Well, when all the COVID stuff happened, my life changed not one bit. I know. I was that, always, that's not funny. Everyone was like, you know, I mean, it's utterly, you know, it's just a whole par- new paradigm that people have to adapt to. And I'm like, same as it was yesterday for me, because yep. I work at home and, um, yeah, well, you didn't even have an office back then, did you? I did not, no. Um, and now I'm four minutes from the church and I still work at home, <laughs> um, though it may change. Uh, f- so for us, it's just there's a clear understanding that I am working and I have working hours at home. And so if, if the kids want to come in, first of all, they always have to knock. And most of the time they get a no, um, unless it's like lunchtime, because Otherwise, they're just going to be in there all the time. But when it's a discipline issue, uh, Lydia takes care of it uh, almost always, unless it's just, you know, you can hear this is a unique kind of situation. And then then I'll go out and deal with it. Every once in a while, she'll say, hey, can you come and help here? And at that point, I'll lay things down and, of course, go and address it. Um, but generally speaking, she, she takes care of it um, because... She has to. I mean, right. I can't just. You're keep, working. I just can't keep stop keep working. Yeah, and that's actually similar to me. Not here as much as. Um, well, it was when we had our our kids at home. Um, I was at church, and I worked extremely long hours early on. But I would get a phone call every once in a while. Um, it's like it, it's out of control, and I would drive home and. Every child, <laughs> Kim would have him sit on the couch to wait for dad to come home. <laughs> that was the longest five, 10 minutes of their life. Because when I came in, it's like, you literally made me stop everything because you guys have chosen to do the one thing you know you're supposed to do, and that's obey your mother. So now 
you feel the, the wrath of your father, and, and I would deal with that. Um, but those, sometimes it would just chew them out on the phone um, and rebuke them and then t- get Kim back on and say, now go discipline them and make certain that they know that they've been disciplined. Because sometimes it's, she's just tired, and so she's not disciplining maybe as faithfully as she should. And so she's actually helped. And I don't mean this in a critical way. It's just without meaning to because she's doing it all day long. Yeah. She she just started to relax and let things slide a bit. But um, when I was in seminary, it was more like that with the real little kids. And I actually would put on ear protection my, uh, for shooting guns so I could block out the kids. And Kim knew that when I went in my office, I had to study. And so it was just like what yeah. you said. It didn't matter. She had to take care of it because I, ha- I, I, I had to get this stuff memorized and papers written and books read. And so, and what I would try to do is take consistent breaks um, Maybe not as consistent as she would have liked, but but I right. where I would just walk out. You have hey, a presence, yeah. Right. Just how are you guys doing? Or sometimes I know it's been a rough day, and I've been hearing a lot of disciplines. I would go out and just get down on my hands and knees, which all my kids knew it was playtime, and they would just all dogpile on dad, and I would just throw them around a little bit and b- bubble kiss their bellies, you know, all that stuff. Sure. It, it did my heart good. Um, I think it made my wife happy because it's always nice to hear the laughter of your children, right? Yeah. Um, and it let the children know it's not just discipline because some days that's that's right. what it feels like. But then giving them a hug and a, a simple admonition, you go and obey mommy, uh, I love you, and then go back in. Yeah. I'd lock, I literally locked my door because I, I couldn't afford to well, be interrupted. Yeah, and so we have said in other episodes that generally speaking, it should always be the father who does the disciplining. Um when he's home. When he's home. And so now the question is, well, yeah, he's working at home, so now shouldn't he always do it? And I would say, no, here's the exception. Uh, he can't. And you want to be careful you're not implicitly training the children that they don't actually have to listen to mom's voice because every time good it's going to be dad who comes in disciplines anyway. Um, and so the expectation is that the children should listen to the mom. And so there's a power in her also executing that discipline. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, guys. Um, not sure if we've helped or not. I hope we have. But it, it, there's also then just a hard attitude of the wife of recognizing that she's still the, she's the helpmeet, and so she's a helper of her husband. And so if she is not getting her children under control uh, on certain days, she's not helping him. Right. Um, and and what she's actually asking is him to reverse the roles and him help her. Um, and and that's not good. So it's the wife making certain that she owns fully and completely that her first and foremost duty is the training of her children. So um, if she's trying to do some fun activity or she's trying to relax or she's trying to cook or something like that, those are all fine, but they're not her central core activity, which is, I'm here to train my children. And again, uh, just taking that fully seriously. And, and I know that's hard. Um, you know, so husbands are husbands working from home should be listening for that kind of stuff, coming out and giving their wives a hug, um, making certain that they, they don't use their work as the excuse not to come out of the minister if they're capable of doing that. Um, 
when they're all done with work, that they're done with work and they come out and take over for mom. All of those things, too, where the husband can signal that he's not, you know, he, it, nothing will make a wife more bitter than suspecting he's still in there, but he's not really working. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden she starts seeing likes of, with his name attached to it on Facebook. It's like, you're not working. Yeah. Um, something like that. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. Okay, what about uh, this one? I think we can deal with this quickly. Helping children with fears. Yeah. So I think we've answered this in previous ones. Um, first of all, we would say don't don't be a person of fear yourself. Uh, if you're ever, if you're always trying to control circumstances so that everything's just always safe, uh, you're implicitly training something into your kids there. Or if you're worrying and fretting yourself, right? I mean, your right. children reflect you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I think I mentioned this last time when we did this one, one of the verses that the kids have to memorize is when I'm afraid I trust in you, God. And so if it's something like, you know, even if it's something like a thunderstorm and one of the kids wakes up crying. You're right. We did. Yeah. We'll yeah. Go, I'll go in there and we recite the verse and they know what it means. We pray with them and just say, look, when, when you're afraid, you can always go to God, just pray to him. He'll protect you. And, you know, so you just reinforcing those kinds of things, but but you need the moment to right. make it real, right? So you can give them the verse to memorize, but it doesn't mean anything until they're actually scared. Now you bring that verse to bear on it. Oh, well, and you make a good point then that fear and being a having a child with fear is not it, keeping them from having fear is not the goal. It's learning how to deal with the fear in a biblical God honoring way and. First way that you're going to do that also is that you're going to exhibit that. If you're right. given to fear yourself, you're fretting. They, I mean, children aren't stupid. They can hear mom talking on the phone to her friend, and all it is is fear-based talk, right. um, conversations. Well, I don't know, and 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 or every time a child tries to be adventurous, you know, the boy gets up on a brick wall and get down. You might hurt you. It's like, well, you're not helping your son anyhow. So, right. Um, and, and then what you said with praying with them. Um, but the last thing I would say for this, because we have answered it, you're right, um, is don't let fear uh, freeze them or you. Right. Uh, meaning one of the worst things you can do is teach your children that's, that they should dis make decisions based on fear, mm -hmm. the what if. Um, a great evil occurs in that. And we, we both as pastors have dealt with this where we have full-grown adults come in and <laughs> they tell us their, what they already decided to do and they put into action and now they want us to fix mm -hmm. the consequences of that. And, we're, and, and I, I know a question I ask is this, can you tell me why you thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't. I don't understand how you made that decision. And it's almost invariably, it's while well, we were afraid that, and then you can fill in the blank. And it's like, okay, so you were working on a what if and a fear, and that's how what controlled you rather than what is good and right and honoring to the Lord. It might be frightening. I mean, I, I, we just, we've been reading our Bible reading, and we're finished up, up with uh, Daniel, and, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fiery furnace, right? But I love the way they say it. We're not, we're not going to obey you. We're, you can cast us into it. Our God is able to deliver us. But then they say, and even if he doesn't, we're still not going to obey you. I'm sure they were afraid. I mean, that's a scary thing. But their confidence was in the Lord, and they were not going to allow the fear 
And that's what the king was trying to do is motivate them out of fear. Right. And they were like, no, we're, we're principle-based, and our principle is ultimately honoring God. And this dishonors him, so it doesn't matter what you do to us, we're going to do it. That's how you parent, and yeah. that's how you make bold children. Yeah, and I— the, the goal is not to get rid of the fear. I, right. So I just I did a I just finished a whole section in Luke on the nature of fear and faith, and there were three stories that were given, and that's the sub theme running through that is is in all three of those accounts fear was present, but what they're each displaying is a different reaction in light of the fear, um, and so this final one it it was a great model of what you should do when you have fear, and the point I tried to bring out is that fear isn't actually at odds with faith. Fear can actually serve faith. Um, use the opportunity to create trust in a person. So with kids, and I think I've told this one before, with like with Levi, he, um, at our old house, we had the stairs. They were yeah. padded stairs, carpeted, they were fine. But he'd always see Naomi jump off of them and then jump into my arms. And he wanted to, but he would get really scared. So I actually sat there and made him. And it turned into crying and snot and all this stuff. But I wouldn't let up on it. And I was there for 15 minutes. My arms were tired <laughs> holding out, but I'm trying you to teach. You weren't having fun. <laughs> no, I was, but I was trying to teach them, uh, you can trust my voice. You can trust me. I'll catch you. I'll keep you safe. Finally, he did it. Um, and now he hurls himself off those things. But, but Now what you was, have to teach him to let you know he's going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but even there, I mean, he was two at the time. I'm, I'm trying to teach him, you know, there are certain voices that, that you can trust. Yeah. It, it, but I'm trying to point that to a greater right. issue of you can trust your Heavenly Father's voice as well. Okay, so then a last one that we, we answered this in a different question, but uh, we'll answer it again. Uh, how do you suggest talking to young children about the death of a loved one? Is It is not always honest to say they're in a better place. And it's tough to say, uh, such as to a seven-year-old or younger, grandpa is in hell. So how do you lead a child through the truth while helping to see that God is still good? They just know that someone who loved them very much is now gone, and they may never see them again. And so how, how do you pastorally or as a parent guide that? How would you do it? Yeah. Um, well, I would just tell them Pers okay. personally. Yeah, that's mine. I, I would just... You you know, you don't have to be, well, you know, they didn't believe in Jesus. I would just say, look, they didn't, the Bible says that if you trust in Jesus, when you die, you're safe with them. But if you don't love Jesus, then you go to hell. And that's just the reality of it. And so, I don't want to protect them from that. And and if they say, well, did, did is grandpa in heaven? And, and if you don't know, what do you say? You just say, we don't know. We don't know because we don't know if he did or not. Yeah. But you I, could say, but, but God is good. And so wherever he is, that's where he is, but God is still good in the midst of that, and you just trust him. Yeah. Let me say also, we tend to put our fear and our a, a big person adult thinking into the mind of a seven-year-old, and most seven-year-olds aren't thinking that deep. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I, I agree with you. Just tell them. Um, it doesn't matter if your stomach is a knot as you tell them. Just tell them, and and don't couch it with twenty minutes of wow. We just and, and just say we don't know. Uh, we don't know because yeah. because Billy, if if um, 
grandpa didn't trust in Jesus, where would, in fact, by seven, they know about heaven and hell in my home, so I would turn right. it into a catechism. If, if grandpa didn't trust in Jesus, where would he be in hell? That's right. And we don't know, so he could be there, but he also may have trusted in Christ, and if so, where would he be in heaven? Yeah, so we, but he's dead, and we're not going to know, and so we give that to God. Um, if they are, if you know them for a fact to be an unbeliever, then you tell them. But then you bring the gospel to bear into that. Yeah, always. You know, so you don't have to be that. You don't have to do that. This is why we're telling you, this is who Christ is, and this is what He did because we want you to have life. And and Joe, I know he, I, I know he's you know your uncle or something. But Joe, we told Joe, Joe about Jesus Christ all the time, and he did not want that. So that's that's where it's at. And it doesn't, it's not, I don't, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. The kid will probably be out playing with a frog in five minutes. Yeah. You know, he's moved on, but, but you don't serve him by making this a big deal because you're, um, you're feeding into him your own shame. And I think that's the bigger one in my mind. Um, I think mom and dad are embarrassed too often of God's wrath. Yeah, you don't want to communicate false things about God, right? Yeah, As I if, mean, that, yeah, yeah. It, that, well, that's that's a brutal way of saying it, but that's really good. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're constantly sidestepping the question or softening it, even um, yeah, you are, do you even believe? Yeah, you're you're you're, you're communicating certain things about truth and reality, and um, now whenever someone dies and Naomi hears us talking about it, her first question is, "Well, did they love Jesus?" Because she just knows if you do, you go to heaven. If you don't, you don't go to heaven. And so for her, it's already becoming a big deal. And how old is she now? Five. She's, she's not six yet then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that helps. And that that is the end of the questions for today. Uh, we have several more questions that we'll address. Um, and hopefully in all of that, we can be of a help to you. We, we're happy we're back. Uh, we're getting into the swing of things again with Faith and Fables. So uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you. Please do like, share, rate, and review. Uh, I don't even know. I don't have the little script, but I do know this. You're supposed to tell a friend. Tell so a go friend. tell a friend. <laughs>